0: Is the next trip podcast with aviation insiders doug and drew together with more than 40 years of industry experience they are creating a network for other avgeeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation all thoughts and opinions are their own
1: good day and welcome to boarding pass 189 operating on july 10th 2023 this is drew an airline ops manager and i'm here with my buddy doug an airline pilot we're here to discuss aviation topics from an industry insider's perspective. Doug, we're both in California today, but you're up north in the San Francisco Bay area, and I'm way down south in Los Angeles. And I saw that you brought something from the East Coast, and not just to
2: carry on, but real quickly before that, this makes me laugh. You know California, Drew, because you, you grew up here, you're from here. I right. had a, a cousin, I had some cousins down in the LA area. I had another cousin from Iowa who came to visit them, and mm-hmm. he sent me a message and was like, hey, dude, I'm really sorry. Uh, I'm down in LA. I realized I probably should have texted you because I'm in California <laughs> right now. And I was like, okay, that would be like me going to Toronto mm-hmm. and texting you and saying, "I'm really sorry. I, I'm in the Dubuque area right now." Yeah. And I did. I didn't text you. I actually looked on Google Google Earth <laughs> and I did a circumference from right. the distance. And I was like, I could be in Cleveland. I could be in Detroit. I could be in Toronto. I could right. almost be in Denver. And text you and be like, dude, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in the local area. And he, he got a huge kick out of it. So it, it makes me laugh. You're in California. I'm in California.
1: It's 500 miles away. Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, you could be in Mexico for, you know, you could be in Canada. It's so far yeah, it, away, right? It,
2: it, exactly. But it's the same state. <laughs> Who'd you bring with you?
1: AvGeek. I brought my favorite travel accessory, which is an AvGeek or I'll, I'll take it, Closet Av Geek, which is uh, Francis <laughs> from New York. He, this is now his third time, so he knows that he has to work. So it's not just a guest where he just sits around and enjoys. He actually has parts of segments. He has segments to read. Welcome, Francis. I'm just happy that I get to get out of the, you know, like, smoky
0: northeast <laughs> and step into this beautiful, crisp western Pacific there.
1: well he has sinus issues and I told him just California two days and your sinuses are clear because there's no humidity but Doug oh
2: yeah but through. the allergens the the allergies in California are horrendous so maybe he'll oh. go home worse no no you'll, you'll be fine Francis
1: <laughs> so far so good
2: speaking of putting you to work though I really wish that you were up here Francis to do the edit because it's going to be incredibly difficult with all the <laughs> that I'm gonna have to bleed <laughs> out. <laughs> and i would like to make you do that work anyways welcome francis for the listeners francis is an airport not an airline ops supervisor from upstate new york and a longtime listener and friend we also refer to him as the next trip public enemy number one because you let us know when you don't like a segment which is pretty much every episode how was your trip here on the 787 and don't say you don't care like when you bashed our segment on
0: mileage and upgrades that's inaccurate, actually. I didn't bash the segment about the mileage upgrades. I bashed the episode where for 10 minutes, two people chatted about lounges and clubs and upgrades and who had more miles and points.
1: <laughs> I felt, I felt. so he's still talking about this two years later. So he, he was definitely upset it really about struck,
2: that. Yeah, it struck a chord with him.
1: Yeah. No, that was when you and Tom Pellini from the Business Insider were trading big fish stories about you know, who got the best <laughs> upgrade and who had, you yeah, right? It was like a one-up. Yeah. It was like an Avge Freak and Flyer one-upmanship. And I had to be like, all right, I hate both of you guys because you're taking my seat as a non-rev when you upgrade
2: <laughs> All right. T- tell me about your trip. It looks like you had a great time, Francis. You got to go to some clubs. You got to go on the ramp. You got to fly on a seven eight seven. You're not smiling right now. <laughs> Why? <laughs> he
1: probably gained about five pounds in
0: weight from eating at the clubs.
1: <laughs> we hit like four of them, but he doesn't care about any of that. He does not care about. Well, he'll talk about the seven eight seven, but he he acts like he doesn't care about anything. But he's taking pictures of the plane. So we got. You said that we got a lot of stuff done, but the the main thing he wanted was a picture by the Foxtrot Juliet intersection, taxiways, because those are his first two initials.
2: I don't know if Drew told you, but he sent me a picture of you taking a picture of an airplane from the lounge, and he said, don't tell me this guy isn't an ad geek.
0: Yeah, my one buddy works for up north for Air Canada, so I sent him a photo. He's like, tell me if you see my airline, and that's all that was. It was a CRJ. Yeah, now now you're walking walking it back. It was for someone else. It wasn't because you You wanted to do it.
1: He, that sure. was pointed as, at an A380, not an Air Canada. <laughs> but okay, that's your But also, when we were in the tower, our um, operations tower, looking over the A gates, I quizzed him on every plane that was out on the tarmac, and he got everything right, and he even got the different versions, like a 767-300 or a 757-200-300. One's longer.
0: <laughs> yeah. One's longer I than was, the uh, other.
1: <laughs> okay, this was also his first wide-body trip ever what were your thoughts on the 787 it was comfortable i really liked it i really liked
0: the buttons to change the window oh dimming. right yeah but there was you know some the cabin was completely dim after snack service and there was somebody up maybe like 10 rows they had theirs completely undimmed so all you saw was this white light <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, it was kind of annoying <laughs>
1: It was good. It was a smooth flight. So we landed. Doug, I sent you a picture of our taxi. It was prime. Av- if, if an Avki chose what runway they wanted to land on and how they wanted to taxi to the gate, our flight was that. So we yeah. landed on 24 right. We exit, and we're going to come back to this in a second, but we exited on a high speed taxi, which, which uh, Francis is going to regale you about the dangers of or the concerns <laughs> of those. But we taxied all the way around the airport. It was like a half an hour taxi. It was amazing. But it was dark. You couldn't see anything. Oh, I could I could catch glimpses of all kinds of planes. But then tell us about this high-speed taxiway. So we landed on 2.4, and we exited off the last high-speed taxiway, which is Alpha Alpha. Yes. What's, what was your concern about that?
0: So I pulled it up on Google Maps just to look at it, and I saw it. The high-speed leads from, was it, 2.4 right, mm-hmm. and then it goes to 2.4 left. There's not a lot of room there for you to stop your plane, if you need to hold short, do you guys ever like brief about stuff like that? Before it happens, before?
2: it happens all the time. If you're worried about Los Angeles, you should look a little bit closer at San Francisco. There are a few yeah. high speeds in San Francisco that on the triple seven three hundred we are not able to use. Yeah, and if we're at if we're at an airport like that, where uh, Honolulu is another one where it's restricted, uh, restricted length. Of an airplane, it'll be in the airport notes that we have to yeah. look at ahead of time. That if we, and ATC knows it too, that if we take that high speed, that we can't hold short and have another airplane land on that runway. Yeah. They either have to switch runways for other airplanes coming in or hold the departures so that we can cross and get out of the way. ATC is really good about that. They understand yeah. and I as actually- well.
0: Toronto, I told Drew about this, Toronto Pearson a couple of years ago, whoever the safety bureau is for Canada, like the NTSB equivalent, they said that their airfield layout was contributing to a lot of incursions for the same reason. And when I actually pulled up Google Maps, I looked at it and I go, that's not really, I think I measured it out. There's only like 265 feet between holding positions there. Mm-hmm. And I pulled up the FAA's runway incursion program. And they have that intersection listed as one that they're trying to mitigate. But I don't know. There's not really a whole lot that you can do there because of the proximity to the two uh, runways. Wait a minute. Yeah. So yeah. The,
1: the, it's 265 feet? That's the. From so, the
0: holding position. So yeah. the
1: length of a 777 300 is 242 feet.
0: Yep. We actually saw that when we were getting breakfast this morning. There was a 777 300 that came in and landed on two, four, right. And then there was a, Um, there was a little,
1: it was a Delta 737.
0: Yeah. That was taken off on two, four left and they had to stop. And it looked like they were still very much in the runway safety area. Tower must've told them cross immediately because right after they did they there was a plane coming over the threshold. Tower will sometimes call us too and ask to taxi
2: forward a little bit. And and that happens at, at gate areas and within the ramp area as well. We know how big we are but we we can't really visualize how far back we stick in certain positions and so we might think that we're okay tower is is watching this they have people with binoculars they can look and they can call us and they can say move up but if you guys hadn't taken that high speed you would have had to take just the regular 90 degree turn onto a taxiway the high Mm -hmm. speed at least you're at like a 45 degree angle and so it allows a 7-8 or a triple seven to be within that unrestricted area Whereas if you had continued all the way to the end and you're on that 90 degree turn, now there's no
0: way that you're going to be off of the runway,
2: even if you're at the whole shore point for and too far that's something left. that I brought up
0: to them too. I go, they probably, the pilots probably like it a lot better because not only do they not, they can, you know, get off, but they don't need to slow down as much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, but you, Doug, you described it for the listeners, the high speed taxiways when you're landing, think of it like a freeway off ramp. So you have the freeway and it's not a perpendicular the difference is like a freeway off ramp or a stoplight where it's a ninety degree turn. This lets you ease off. I got one more question before we move on. Have they when it's like that at SFO and the runway is so close, at SFO it's two way left and right, do they tell you before you land, please stop short once you exit, if there's another plane that's landing? You on always, to- you always have to stop
2: short. Uh, they, oh, you okay. never have clearance. You never have clearance to cross the other runway until they tell you. They always tell you clear to cross to a left. So if I land on to a right and I take a high speed, we have to stop. We cannot keep going across to a left until they tell us.
1: That's concerning. So you have to know to automatically stop and not continue to to cross that. No, route. no, you no. What's a control clearance to cross a runway? Yeah, that that's it. It's it. it
2: it's a runway crossing Mm -hmm. and every single runway crossing, you need the clearance to cross. So everyone Mm -hmm. knows to stop. There should never be an airplane that continues off the high speed and crosses Mm -hmm. just because we're landing. Doesn't mean that all of our normal operations go out the window and normal operations are, you come to a runway, you see the two solid bars and the two hatched bars on the other side. You have to stop until you get the clearance.
1: Okay. All right. That makes sense,
2: Francis. Before you departed Dulles, we talked about this a little bit, and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. You were able to hang out with you and see how a real airport operates. <laughs> sorry, sorry to jab at you. <laughs> Dulles is just a little bit bigger of an airport than the one you work at. But what did you see, and what were the differences?
0: Those are scumbags. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: it was cool. It's always nice to get out and look at a different field and see different airplane types, different facilities. I really like the ramp control tower. I like how they control stuff at the gate, and then you contact FAA ground to sort of take the burden off of them. It was really cool yeah. to see the different the different
1: airplanes. You were like enamored with the mobile lounge. Every every time a mobile lounge went by, he was like, "That is so crazy," because you know they come <laughs> along like. Like uh, Star Wars
0: droid transporters, I like the uh, the super tugs too. I don't I don't know why, but I think it's hilarious to watch a, a super tug pull this huge plane at like thirty miles an
1: hour across the ramp. They move these planes faster than you guys normally taxi. That's what they funny.
2: do. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy to see. I'm sure that there were a lot of differences just based on the, the size of the airport, but at the end of the day, it's just an airport just like the airport that you work at. And there are a lot of similarities in, in the way that the airports
1: operate, regardless of the size of the airport. Yep. Yeah, it's just a bigger scale. Yeah, you know, I kept introducing him to people, and I was like, this is, this is my buddy Francis. He wanted to see what a real airport looked like. And I, I, I swear, if I said that one more time, he was going to get on the next flight to his upstate New York <laughs> airport. He was, he was, was, he was gonna going to beat feet and go home. So we're talking about airport sizes and classifications. Why don't you regale us with the regulations on how airports are classified? And yes, you only have two minutes. Any
0: any airport that wants to serve air carriers, whether they're scheduled or unscheduled, they need to have an operating certificate, which says that they meet the minimum safety standards from the FAA. I should have led with this before. I apologize to your overseas listeners. These are all U.S. standards. Right, they're not ICAO. The ICAO, you know, they're derived from them, so things may be a little bit different. But there's four different classes of airports. Class one, you can serve large scheduled air carriers, which means they have at least 30 passenger seats. You can also serve unscheduled large air carrier. Scheduled small air carrier is 10 to 30 seats those are class one. That's going to be what the majority of your hubs are. Class two can serve unscheduled large air carriers and scheduled small. Class three can serve only scheduled small. Class four can only serve unscheduled large air carriers. And there's an airport maybe an hour north of mine that's class four, and they only do that because they only handle charters. You may not know
2: this, Francis, but our military airfields classified in these same classifications set up or is is it totally different being the military It depends on if the field is
0: co-located with a civil if it's airport. a joint okay yes. and we call but it joint use like charles the says. civil portions of the airfield would have to conform to part 139 and then the military obviously has their own standards
1: what are some airports that would be included in that like i would think charleston has C-17. lots
0: lots yeah
2: charleston minneapolis st mm-hmm. louis a, a lot of major airports uh, phoenix a lot of major airports have guard or reserve units uh, air force or army or navy associated with them
1: be very afraid because he just pulled out his uh faa part 139 handbook and he's coming <laughs> to- <laughs> Um, I think we move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Francis, you, you can keep looking while while we do some work here. He, you can he, regale us with a little bit more later.
1: He carries that like we carry our wallet. He brought it on this trip. Not for this it, episode, just to have... It's in
0: my work backpack. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll come
2: back to Airport Ops, but let's quickly scan through some news this week. We're going to start with the JetBlue story, and it's not about the merger with Spirit or... Maybe it is. It's complicated, <laughs> as every story with JetBlue is complicated. JetBlue this week said that it's going to end its partnership in the Northeast with American after the agreement was deemed anti competitive by a federal judge. American said that it still will appeal the decision ruling against the JetBlue partnership, but JetBlue said Wednesday that it won't challenge it. The Northeast Alliance, or NEA, would have allowed the carriers to or it has actually allowed carriers to sell tickets on each other's flights in boston and new york i was reading a little bit more into this i guess in the ruling i think it was in march or april we talked about this where mm-hmm. the judge said that they had to separate their operations the argument that the the doj department of justice was making was that they said the northeast alliance basically was like a merger between american mm-hmm. and JetBlue. On those routes they became one airline on those routes and that that was the main argument was you ultimately merged even though you're two separate airlines it would be like a joint venture across the atlantic you you buy a ticket on delta and you end up on klm but they split the revenue they split the cost Lufthansa United, American Mm -hmm. Airways any any partnership like that that has not been deemed anti-competitive just because there's so much traffic across the Atlantic. This, the judge, though, is saying is anti-competitive because in Northeast, this basically merges their operations.
1: Well, I was describing this to uh, to Francis during breakfast and telling him how American and JetBlue, they can sell tickets on each other. And what did you say? To me, that seems like I don't want to say illegal. (laughs) Well, that's what he said, illegal. I mean, it it's not illegal, but it's anti, well, the Department of Justice deemed it as anti-competitive. But this also has to do with administration, right? You may have an, a different presidential administration that's more lenient towards mergers. So that's the time to <laughs> to get it in. But the, I mean, this administration is looking at this saying that it's probably, it might raise fares. You and I don't agree with that necessarily, but um, that's the reason why they denied it. We'll see what happens. But an interesting plot to this is that American is not <laughs> American is saying they're going to appeal. So how do you appeal when your partner has already walked? Cause you have yeah. to manifest with them first before you appeal it with the DOJ. It, it's and so like that it sense-
2: meme. That meme that I saw you yesterday, it said, uh, uh, how how does it go? It it said, JetBlue, hey, American, we're leaving the partnership. And then American's response is the picture of Jason Bateman saying, the f*** you are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's the thing. So is American first going to tell JetBlue, no, you can't walk away from it because we have this agreement?
2: There might be a contract. Although I think JetBlue, from a legal standpoint, I think that because the judge ruled that they have to terminate. JetBlue can say we're just following the judge's ruling. We're no longer fighting it. We're we are going to start to unbundle. And if you think about it too, it took about a year from the time that they announced this partnership to actually get all the the integration of the systems worked out and and built up. It's going to yeah. take a little time to untangle to that as mm-hmm. well. Yep. And I'm thinking JetBlue is looking at it saying, if we have a deadline to get this done. It's it, ultimately, it's going to be better for our passengers if we can just do it and get it done and out of the way and get it untangled now so that we're not up against the clock later on if the ruling does stand, regardless of Americans fighting it or, or JetBlue, who had been fighting it until... Week
1: well, yeah, and I think not. I think I know that JetBlue will use this in their merger talks with Spirit to say, Hey, we we gave up that agreement with American, what else do you want from us, right? So, I think they're going to use that in their um in their negotiations to make to help that uh Spirit merger go through. All right, in other news, this will be fast, but this is good news. We talked about this a couple weeks ago where the Spirit Aero System workers they make so they're in Wichita. We actually visited their plant when i was there doug
2: i'm sorry francis are we are we boring you no i'm there?
1: just looking through the notes <laughs> so this is airline stuff so he's gonna take a breather at the same. <laughs> i
0: i had to say that
1: because i'm not going to be able to edit his breath out no, i'm looking i'm looking
0: through the notes
1: <laughs> oh no no that's right no no he's not playing uh, no he's not going on World of Witchcraft, Warcraft, or whatever. <laughs> World of Witchcraft. <laughs> I don't know. Is it something that the... Uh, Lotro, Lord of the Rings. I don't
2: know. Sorry, Drew. Keep going.
1: And I, he is definitely checking his notes because I can see him scrolling real time. I see
2: on... it, too. It's jumping around, yeah.
1: A <laughs> <laughs> couple more airline stories and we'll back be full-on back to regulations. So just wait. Great news. So Spirit systems they make the whole fuselage for the 737. They make the Section 41 for the 787, which is the front of the airplane and other parts for it. So these workers, they are part of the International Association of Machinists. And airspace workers. That union confirmed that their six thousand employees in Wichita will go back to work. They, they, I believe, they went back to work yesterday, day before yesterday, Wednesday. So they're back to work. They went on strike a week ago in protest of their new contract offerings. The union said that sixty three percent of its members voted to accept a new offer because it had significant improvements in wages, overtime rules prescription drug coverage compared with the rejected offer. Doug, I think this is great. So the workers got a little bit more, they weren't 100% in agreement, but 63%, a win's a win. We're moving on and that takes care of that supply chain for Boeing.
2: With unionized work, you're never going to have 100% of the people who are happy. Everyone has things that they want and the, what, 20 or 37% that turn this down. Probably had they probably liked a lot of it, but there were mm-hmm. things that they that they were wishing that they had that weren't in this contract. That's just what happens. but this is good for Boeing, it's good for the industry in general, it's good for the workers. Everyone is marginally happy, I guess we can say, and we move on and we we keep building airplanes.
1: Well, I think that you're going to see a trend now, Doug. I think these negotiations with other work groups around the country are going to start being resolved because Eventually, the economy is going to soften and workers are not going to have as much bargaining power as they had maybe a month ago or two months ago. So it would behoove them to take a good deal now. Without risking waiting, and then the economy starts softening, and then the companies won't have as much to offer. Probably a good thing.
0: Another good news in the U.S. the Transportation Security Administration recorded its single busiest day in history on Friday, June 30th. A total of 2,884,783 passengers went through the checkpoints on Friday. The next busiest day on record was on November 27, 2019, before the pandemic, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, with just under three million passengers screened and I don't know what you guys are seeing but the passenger numbers are definitely up at the place that I work at every morning again the checkpoint is getting backed up. as Drew says it's quote a good problem to have
1: you know we talk about government agencies and usually it's not in the best in the best way but I shout out to TSA especially at my airport because they're keeping up with the increased volumes. How often do I talk to you about holding flights for uh, TSA? TSA backups, it's not Never. often, they're yeah. doing a great
2: job. Well, and Francis, you said that the next busiest day was the Thanksgiving just before the pandemic, and they served just under 3 million. The actual number is lower than what they screened last Friday. Right now, the the publicly available data only goes back to 2019, but we know that 2019 was that marker, like the high watermark for travel in the US yeah. and, and worldwide, I believe as well. So if this last Friday was the highest of any day the TSA has publicly released numbers, I'd venture to guess that this could have been the highest ever. And I I know that it says single busiest day in history. Okay, not even associated with Thanksgiving, which means if around the 4th of July, which summer is, is generally as a season, the highest travel, but when it comes to actual days, it's always around Thanksgiving. So if we broke a record on the July 4th weekend, imagine Mm -hmm. what's coming down the pike this fall around thanksgiving time we could Mm -hmm. possibly break three million passengers in a single day
1: and i will say you know from our personal experience so we were at dulles we left the passenger area because we went out to the tarmac which means we have to be rescreened so we got our bags we went back out how was your experience going through tsa on a busy day took like a minute yeah it was amazing put your stuff on the conveyor belt walk through Bye. Yeah, and Tia, we should say this is a public service announcement for everyone who's traveling. When you're going through security, arrive at the well, arrive at the airport early. Number one, have your ID out and available. It be a ama- it's a ama- it's shocking to, and sometimes I do this too because I forget. And you're waiting in line for 10 minutes. You get to the person and then you take your your driver's license out. You've had all that time.
2: I'll tell you right now, passengers, listen, or listeners listening to this who live in Seattle, who live in Denver, who live in Orlando are fuming hearing us talk about Dulles and how easy it is to get through security because those airports, those airports are consistently some of the worst in the country when it comes to TSA lines. It took me almost 20 minutes to get through and I have clear in Denver the other day or last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, took me almost 20 minutes with clear and with pre-check. Imagine if I didn't have that. We're talking about 90 minute lines in some airports right now. It's just crazy. It's, it's It's a good problem to have, but it's crazy. Well, Drew, enough with our airline comfort zone. Let's jump back into Francis's world of airport ops. We're seeing electric cars everywhere now, including in our driveways. But electric airport fire trucks? What's this about hybrid ARFF or ARF equipment? For the listeners, ARF stands for aircraft rescue and firefighting. Francis, you may not be a huge AV geek, but you you are a huge
0: ARF geek. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> You've got this one.
1: Did we just coin that? I think we just coined that.
0: Bowling Field in Seattle will be the first in the country to get the Stryker Volterra 6x6 ARF hybrid electric fire truck. The truck is made by Oshkosh Airport Products and will replace the airport's oldest diesel fire truck. The hybrid electric drivetrain has an electromechanical infinitely variable transmission. This means that the engine will emit zero emissions for day-to-day operations when powered by its onboard batteries. The gas engine then takes over if needed in emergency response. And it can go from zero to 50 miles per hour in 25 seconds, which is 28 percent faster than the diesel model they've been pushing this truck for the last i don't know four years Mm -hmm. they've been been bringing it around to different airports and showing it around at conferences and i'm actually surprised that it took as long as it did for them to get a buyer Mm -hmm. especially given that how everybody's going out and they want to get teslas Mm -hmm. you know to help out with their savings it could be a cost thing. It could just yeah, be they didn't. Right. They didn't need and these trucks airports. are not. They're not cheap, which is why no. the majority of them are funded by yeah. us, by the feds through the airport improvement program. They could have needed to get more money from them to get it too. They're not cheap. Their trucks at the larger index airports, which we'll get into in a little bit, they carry forty five hundred gallons of water. Those could easily cost a million dollars. Wow, a million. So. And that's the diesel. So now, factor in the fact that this is, you know, electric. Mm-hmm. How much more money is that going to cost? There aren't a whole lot of airports that can just buy their ARF trucks on their own. A lot of them go through federal funding. They
2: probably have replacement cycles too. They're just because they maybe want this new hybrid electric firefighting truck doesn't mean that they are just going to go buy it because they want it. They're yeah, waiting the for, average for growth of-
0: or for one to retire. The average shelf life of an ARF truck is 12 to 15 years, but you know even then it can be longer because how often are these trucks actually going out and doing what they're designed to other mm-hmm. than you know just testing it in the morning to make sure that it's ready
1: to go? Well, this even says that this truck is replacing an older diesel truck. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're adding once <clears throat> they retire older trucks, they'll bring these in. But Doug, can you imagine? So this thing is huge. There's a picture of it it uses, on on a day-to-day basis, it uses no gas. And, you know, when we were there at Dulles Airport, Dulles Airport is talking about putting, not talking about, there is a plan to put solar panels in on empty space next to one of the runways. So these solar panels should be up in a couple of years and they will power the whole airport. They will power 30,000 houses around the airport and they'll power all the cars and the trucks at Dulles Airport. And if the airport buys these it's going to power these too with solar yeah. panels
2: that the acceleration i can say on, on my tesla the acceleration is crazy how how yeah. fast it accelerates so much faster than any of the cars that i've ever had that's a good thing for this response time it right. definitely,
1: it's
2: definitely safer yep i have a feeling that we may never see fully electric ARF trucks because i i think that there still needs to be that that backup which is right. why they'd say day-to-day operations it can run on the batteries but it can go to that diesel if it needs it for something like arf i, I don't mm-hmm. think that's the time that you want to have a dead truck sitting in the in the fire station because the battery died and wasn't charged
1: every time i see an arf truck and doug that is how we're supposed to say it apparently arf,
2: arf. Mm-hmm. yeah that, that's what we, that's what we call
1: it every time i see an arf truck now i think of francis we'll stay with arf and the environment for our next story Francis, you said the big story with ARF is the development of fluor now stay with this is gonna be a lot of information. We're gonna try and break this down for you. The biggest development is fluorine-free foam or F3 that will replace harmful PFAS foams. We didn't even know that there was a story here. So firefighting foam, first of all, suppresses combustion by cooling the fire and coating the fuel, and that prevents its contact with oxygen. We currently use PFAS-based foam. This is a big story. So, you know, he mentions this, and it's actually in the news, and we'll come back to it. What is the concern, Francis?
0: There's growing concern over the use and discharge of F, which is aqueous film forming foam at airports. The current chemicals may potentially contaminate drinking water, and this has led to the inclusion of a mandate by Congress back in 2018 with the FAA's Reauthorization Act where they directed the FAA to stop requiring the use of fluorinated foam no later than three years when that was enacted. So that would have been on or around October, 2021. Jumping ahead a little bit here, They literally just released the performance specification for this back in January. We'll get to that in a second. But on May 8th, the FAA published its Aircraft Firefighting Foam Transition Plan, and it put out the timeline and steps for airports. As the federal government looks for PFAS-free, I'm not even going to bother trying to say that. (laughs)
1: Let Let me try. Is it per and polyfluoroalkyl substances?
2: Yes, Yes. that's what I would have said. Great great job, Drew. (laughs) (laughs) All right, slow down, Francis. For us and the non-airport management listeners, here's the concern with PFAS. PFAS has been linked to serious health problems such as cancer, immune system suppression, liver damage, reduced fertility, and thyroid disease. PFAS is known as a forever chemical because it doesn't break down in the environment. Per and polyfural alcohol. Alcohol substances or PFAS have been used in aqueous film-forming foams or AFFFs for fighting liquid fuel fires since the 1970s. Fluoride-free foam or F3s are foams that do not contain any PFAS. That's a lot of chemical speak, there, (laughs) Francis. It's,
1: it's It's crazy that this is actually in the news now. So I pull up my news feeds. It says they have just found just recently that 45 forget the airports 45 percent of our drinking water you just you just took a swig of water just now 45 percent of our drinking water in the us has pfas so these are forever chemicals that don't what's the word don't dissolve or don't they don't break down they don't break down very fast this, or at all this
2: is just going to open up all the conspiracy theories about fluoride in the water and is it good or is it not There's so much that is argued back and forth about that between dentists and chemists and doctors and things like that. And this is just heating up the debate.
1: There are certain types of filters, water filters that you can use that will eliminate most of them. So, you know, check that out. Just do your research. There are ways to uh, reduce or eliminate the PFAS in your water. But that's shocking that 45% of tap water has these forever chemicals. Anyway. All right. So the Department of Defense... In January 2023, they issued a performance specification for firefighting phones that are used by you guys, by the U.S. military that can extinguish fires without containing PFAS. So the FAA sent out this, what's called a CERT alert to part 139 airport operators, like uh, (laughs)
2: CERT alert, CERT (laughs) alert. That's wrong for us, right? CERT (laughs) alert. CERT alert
1: coming out. Um, Airport operator. I guess that's like an AD for us yeah like or a direct a, aviation drill but
2: we also have advisory circulars that come out from the FAA. it's it's probably around the same thing
1: yeah so they put out this cert alert about the new so alert a- cert alert, cert alert about this f3 foam so airports are currently not required to have the f3 which is better but the alert informs them about the new pfas free f3 foams and directs them to also check with their local municipalities And I don't think we have the answer. So if the city of San Francisco or Washington, D.C. requires everyone to not use PFAS, what do the airports do? You can't turn on a dime. So I, I think it would be a pretty involved process. Francis, what are your concerns if the change is not required for commercial airports?
0: So the big issue here is that the regulation has required certificate holders, or in this case, the airports, they have to use a triple F It's written into the regulation. When you get into the index requirements, which is basically how much equipment and agents you need to have for your level of air carrier activity, they specifically say you need to have this many gallons of water for this much production of a triple F. The issue, you know, getting back with whose jurisdiction is, In our state, they've pretty much, local DEC has said you can't use it unless it's an actual emergency. Hmm. So no practice firings or anything? No. No. They don't want you discharging it. And even the certification inspectors, when they come out to do your airport inspection and when they inspect ARF, they're going to check to make sure that you meet your response times. And one of those things that includes is, you know, you need to discharge agent. And they will no longer, they haven't been asking you since like 2016 to discharge foam. They will only ask you to discharge water or dry chemical. The other big issue that's come about from F3 is... The FAA, they say that if you want to use foam to meet your index requirements for fire protection on the airport, you can only use the stuff that's off of the military specifications that the DOD puts out. And it's on what's called the Qualified Product Database, which is basically a list of foams that all meet the specifications for the DOD. All the stuff that's on there is compatible with each other. It doesn't matter who the manufacturer is. The big thing that they've noticed with the flooring free foams is they're not compatible with other F3s and they're not compatible with a triple F. You could have one manufacturer that makes F3, even though it meets the same... Performance standard; it's not going to be compatible with another manufacturer.
2: What does compatible mean? Does that mean that you can mix them together, yeah. or they can be yeah. used? What, truck... what if what if two trucks are using two different chemicals? Mm-hmm. Will that will that still achieve the same thing, or do they fight against each other
0: and not help put out the I don't whatever have the fire the, is? I don't have the expertise to answer that. The big pushback from a lot of airports, and I don't want to say it's a pushback, but the big concern is. They want to know if we do need to change to F3, which the FAA has made very clear they're not going to require it immediately. Mm -hmm. They kind of want you to take the lead and look from your local government as how clean is clean Mm -hmm. for them. There's nobody that can really answer that because they don't know. And my airport in particular, we got a quote at $40,000 per truck to clean, And we have Uh, because they have to flush it out. Yeah, you know, that's $120,000. And then it turns into, well, who's going to pay for that? Is there federal funding available? There are some states that have decided to do a buyback program for a triple F to help the airports purchase the new stuff. The FAA has basically said it's on you. If you do make the change, they want you to do it completely. So it's not a gradual, it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's going to take time for the airports to figure out what they're going to do and get the guidance that they need.
2: I could see in the future, if it, if this really does start to get, I hate to say forced on the airports, but if, if it really gets pushed onto the airports, we're mm-hmm. probably going to see some fees start to go up. The landing, right. the landing fees that the airlines yep. pay and that gets passed on to the consumer then. Ticket prices might go up a little bit because the taxes that you're paying on the ticket are going mm-hmm. to the local the localities to help mm-hmm. switch
1: to this, this new stuff. Well, do you remember, I think it was after September 11th, you started seeing this PFC charges, passenger facility charge. Yeah. Are we going to have a PFAS charge? Mm-hmm. I, I could totally see that coming up. But, you guys, it is not a joke. So there's this other story that's also out this year. SeaTac, they used to ha- have this hazing program for their rookie firefighters, and they would give them a PFAS, a foam shower. It was all fun and games, but some of these guys are r- reporting that they have cancer, possibly from that. So yeah, this is a yeah. serious thing that um, we got to transition out of these PFAS, not it's just like in the it's, airport. It's, it's like
2: asbestos. the connection that we can make for non-ARF geeks or app geeks or eng geeks or <laughs> a- anyone is it, like the asbestos thing where asbestos was used as a fire suppressant for so many years and a- it was linked to cancer and now it's getting removed from any building where it's found because it's not allowed to be there anymore because it's dangerous that's the aviation's moment asbestos moment right now is with all of this.
1: Thanks for raising that issue and causing and creating a whole lot of problems for us now, Francis. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get to your guys
2: day. You're sitting in Los Angeles. You're starting your tour. You're going to be meeting up with Aaron pretty soon. Who's next trip. Enemy number two. Drew, you're going to be in the same, I would say room. I'm guessing you guys will be outside. You're going to be in the same space as both public enemy. Number one and public enemy. Number two, Aaron did though, have a litany of items in his last email, let me listen for you. I, you can grow and you can make some sort of smart <laughs> comment. Whatever you want, I'm
1: going to start to list them. And I had to take Aaron, two, a few things out of this.
2: <laughs> Aaron goes, hey, guys, thanks for the shout out. I'm glad to be public enemy number two and not number one. I'm looking forward to meeting public enemy number one in a few days, which is today. <laughs> Drew, you said that at 17 pesos to the dollar, the peso is the strongest it's been since 2017. While that is true, it appears to also be the strongest it's been since 2015, which is the last time it was less than 17 pesos to the dollar on the chart that he found online. I take issue with this. You don't have to groan, Drew. I'm going to drone. No one knows that off the top of their head unless you work in currency exchange. No one just knows this is the strongest the peso has been to the dollar since 2015. He had to go look that up. He had to find a quantifiable number that we said on the show, to you'll research it to then call us out on it.
1: Well, he's having us compete against a Google search, which we're smart, but we are will never be that smart.
2: <laughs> yeah. Next next thing he said is, you said that I had corrected you on the population of Singapore and that you had mistakenly said it was 1 million, but you had actually mistakenly said it was 2 million. <laughs> so that's okay, a that's not a mistake. Yeah, that that's getting uh, very much in the weeds. On this episode, you were talking about the travel mess and you were saying stuff like, quote, today and tomorrow will be much better than yesterday. I think it would be good to say which day you were recording on. (laughs) I I think that that partially is true because we do record on different days. Today is Friday, the what is it, the 7th. Listeners, you can use that as your, your point of reference for when we talk about where you guys are certain days. I'll take that one. Thank you, Aaron. He also said he looked up how many controllers the FAA was looking for. From what he found, they're not looking for 57,000 aircraft controllers. As you said, they're trying to hire 1,500 to 1,800 in the next year. Perhaps 57,000 is the total number that they project they would need at some point in the future. And then the final thing that he said is somehow I missed the MD-80, MD-90 mistake that Doug caught. Good job,
1: Doug. I got to fo- <laughs> focus more. Let me face. On. <laughs> yeah, it was my day for to get bashed with the the, uh, the errors. Yeah, so I, I am really looking forward to see you, Aaron, in a few hours. And that is my official statement for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this one, um, Public Enemy number one here, Francis, he called this the critics tour. or What did you call it?
0: I called it the critic meetup.
1: The critic meetup. I'll be, yeah, a good thing there's... Be a lot of alcohol tonight, so I can just smile and nod every time these guys. You're
2: hanging out with Siskel and Ebert, or Ebert and Roper, or whatever it is. Made everything the, the two famous movie critics.
1: Right, but seriously though, a lot of what Aaron says is very minor. But there's one, a big one. So the fifty-seven thousand was the number of applicants. It's not how many people they were looking for. So really good catch there. They're only looking for fifteen to eighteen hundred.
2: Trying to fill 57,000 controller jobs in the next couple of years, I, I didn't even catch that. But that would be an insurmountable mountain to climb, I would say.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, before we go, I have a question for you. you know, there's terms for groups of animals. Like, for example, a group of cows is called a herd. Birds are a flock. A group of geese is called a gaggle, etc., etc. et cetera. But I was thinking, you know, when we have like groups of planes, can we have terms for them too? Because we're Geeks? i was thinking about
2: this the only time we ever have groups of planes is when there is a ramp closure in dc because of thunderstorms or in newark because of thunderstorms (laughs) otherwise planes are not supposed to be close together (laughs) (laughs) but if they are we can call the 737 a guppy which is a fish a group of fish is a school so you would have a school of southwest 737s in phoenix a group of whales is a pod. So in Dubai, you would have a pod of A380s at the gates. Lufthansa and Japan Airlines have a crane as their logo. So you could have a sedge of their planes in Frankfurt <laughs> or Haneda. I don't even know if I pronounced that correctly. I think that's right. This is probably my favorite. American would have a colony of their eagles landing at Dallas, or Sri Lankan Airlines, a pride of peacocks flying out of Colombo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very nice. What do you guys call 300 aircraft sitting on the ramp in thunderstorms for hours all over the East Coast on ground stops to Newark and LaGuardia?
1: I don't you know idea. What?
0: An airline <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: on, on that note, let's wrap up before the FCC wraps us up wraps it up for us. All right, Francis, thanks for bringing your airport ops spin to our conversation and enlightening us on ARF. PFAS, AFFF, F3, Part 139, High Speed Taxiways, and a few other things I can't can't remember. Always good to have you on, and thanks for joining me on this trip to uh, LA.
2: Yeah, and luckily, I only had to deal with Francis for 55 minutes and 5 seconds so far. Drew, you've been stuck with him for 24 hours at this point. You guys are about to go hit up LA. Thank you for doing that (laughs) for me. (laughs) What I do for this podcast? Francis I'm I'm kidding we we love the feedback we love you as a listener as a friend so thank you it's
0: been fun. I haven't really had to pay for that much, so it's been nice. <laughs> as, an, you. As, a, as a new father, it's been really good. <laughs> That's why you
1: have club memberships. That's why you have status. We just had a free breakfast. We ate all day yesterday. Well, Doug knows this. It pays you back over and over. All right, to our listeners, this podcast is your show, so go on our website, nextripnetwork.com. Let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Nextrip podcast. Please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel.
2: You can also call our Google voice number to ask a question or just rant about something. The number is 872-529-5620 when calling from the U.S. Make sure to use country code 001 or plus one when calling from abroad. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough.
0: This has been the Next Trip Podcast.
2: Francis, can you stop touching the script so I can read this? (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding.